You're listening to Changemaker, ideas on social impact, lessons on life and business, stories from people making a difference. I'm Jackie Biederman. Tesla makes electric cars. Their mission is to accelerate the world's transition to sustainable energy. There's a good for the environment story here, a worthy cause to utilize clean energy. But that's not why people buy them. At the forefront of Tesla are fast cars, luxury options, and a fully customizable experience. They even bring your made-to-order car directly to your house. Tesla's won numerous awards, competing not just with electric vehicles, but all vehicles. While they have a great mission, their brand stands for so much more. Today on the show, more than a mission. We'll hear how two social entrepreneurs create brands and experiences that extend beyond their social impact. According to NPR food correspondents Allison Aubrey and Dan Charles, meat has more of an impact on the environment than any other food we eat. We've all heard about methane. Livestock production accounts for 37% of methane gas emissions. But raising meat also puts a strain on our resources. One-third of all crops grown across the world are grown to feed animals. With land being scarce, farmers in places like Brazil are cutting down forests to grow soybeans for livestock in places like Europe and China. And water, two-thirds of water that we use on the planet, is used for agriculture. According to Food Tank, to raise one pound of beef requires almost 2,000 gallons of water. What if there was an alternative, a protein that was sustainable? Laura DeSaro has a solution. Bugs. Laura is the co-founder of Chirps, a company that makes tortilla chips from cricket flour. This is not a common business, but you know that already. So how did she get into this? Yeah, definitely. People are always like, how in the world did you get into this? Um, So yeah, uh, in college, I was an African studies major. And so I was studying abroad in Tanzania, and I met a woman selling fried caterpillars on the side of the street. And I've been off and on vegetarian my whole life. So it's kind of like, how do I think about eating insects as a vegetarian? But ultimately, I was like, I have to try this. When am I ever going to get to try this? And so I bought one, bit down, and my first thought was, this tastes like lobster, which kind of makes sense because insects and crustaceans are closely related. They're both arthropods, but it certainly wasn't what I was expecting. So I got back to the United States after this trip, and I just started researching eating insects. If we can ignore the ick factors with insects for a minute, they are a pretty amazing food. The protein in insects is really similar to beef. And raising insects is very sustainable. In fact, insects can be raised in shelving units, in warehouses, in the middle of cities. You know how I told you that it takes nearly 2,000 gallons of water to raise one pound of beef? It takes only one gallon of water to raise one pound of cricket meat. You know, it wasn't just the difference of, you know, twice as good or something like this. We were talking about, like, hundreds, thousands of times as sustainable. And this was true across, like, amount of water usage, like, land usage. Um, And so it was just like, this is incredible. 
I was totally sold, but it didn't matter if I was sold on eating insects. I had to get other people <laughs> to believe in it. Um, so I started with my college roommate, um, Rose, who's now my co-founder. And uh, I think she would have thought I was absolutely crazy. But she had actually been in China and someone had dared her to eat a fried scorpion on the streets of Beijing. And she'd had a similar reaction to me, which was, this tastes like shrimp. And so I think because of that, she was more on board and we basically went to Petco and uh, bought every single kind of insect that we could get our hands on and just started frying them up and feeding them to our friends. Our friends completely freaked out. I mean, uh, they wouldn't eat it. There was just no way. People screamed, like one of our friends fell out of his chair. They just were completely horrified and it was obvious right away that trying to get Americans to eat whole insects wasn't gonna work. And so after that, it was basically a challenge of, okay, what is it exactly about insects that grosses people out so much? How do we remove those ick factors and create something that people will eat? Welcome back to Laura. But first, I want to introduce you to another entrepreneur with a similar story. A changemaker on a mission to fight food waste. So would you mind just introducing yourself? Yeah, um, so my name is Jenny Costa. I am the founder of Rubies and the Rubble, uh, which I founded in 2012. Before we get into the story, I want to note that Jenny's from the UK. She's got an awesome accent, and she also uses the word bin, what Americans refer to as the dumpster. I know you'd figure it out with context, but I wanted to help avoid any pause. Okay, so Jenny was working as a hedge fund manager in London, when one day she forgot her bicycle. She took the subway, where she picked up a free newspaper. And there was an article about bin divers on it and um, people that were trying to get into the back of supermarket bins at night and taking food that was unsold, but maybe on its last date. And they were deeming it illegal um, and trying to spray paint food and locking the bins. And That night I got home and just got straight onto my laptop and I was Googling food waste. And it was just a real eye-opener. I just thought that no industry works with a third of its production just getting chucked. I just want to make sure that you caught that. One third of all food is wasted. And before we start growing more and and cutting down rainforest to grow more, why aren't we just using what we've got better? This consumed Jenny's thoughts. Learning about the food supply chain, from the farm to the consumer, she discovered so much waste. For medium to high-income countries, most waste happens later on in the supply chain. Farmers will throw out their gnarly-looking zucchini and three-legged carrots before they get to grocery stores. People don't want to buy ugly produce. And grocery stores and restaurants throw away food that is getting close to the sell-by date. At home, we do the same, even if the food is safe to eat. Or we buy too much food and let it spoil before it can be eaten. One obvious problem is that hungry people aren't getting food. But food waste is also a systemic issue. Wasted food clogs up landfills and releases methane gases into the atmosphere. And all of the energy, the water, the equipment, the time that's put into farming and shipping the food becomes waste itself. So Jenny decided to go and see what was happening at a food market near her. I'd heard about these wholesale markets that run from midnight till around 6 or 7 a.m. 
in London, on the outskirts of London, to get fresh fruit and veg to delis and restaurants across the country for the next day. So I set my alarm at 4 a.m., cycled down, and on this one fruit and veg market, I mean, I was blown away by it. I fell in love with the bustle and the excitement and the sort of nocturnal living of people trading fresh fruit and veg with pallets that were so competitive and forklift of trucks going around. Everyone really um, excited and bright lights. And then sort of 50 meters away was unsold fruit and veg. And it was just because it's perishable, if it's unsold, it was um, going to the waste bins. And I, I still remember this big pallet of it was a pallet of Monge 2 beans from Kenya that it was they were perfectly boxed and wrapped and packaged and I couldn't see anything wrong with them. It's like opening a box of shoes and just this enormous pallet of them ready to go to the bin. So in discovering uh, the surplus I, I put lots on my bicycle and cycled back and that week my flatmate and I ate so many of these beans and kept on just being like there's got to be something better we can do. Both Laura and Jenny have a cause worth fighting for. But how can they be part of the solution? When Jenny saw all of the excess fruits and vegetables at the market, she was reminded of her childhood. She grew up on a farm where her mom turned extra food into jams, chutneys, and relishes that could last for years. Jenny wondered, what if this traditional idea of preserving food could be applied on a large scale? So she gathered the wasted food from markets and experimented with variations of her mom's recipes. She dressed up recycled jam and pasta jars with labels and fabric and sold her preserves in market stalls. And after only three months, at the age of 25, she left her job as a hedge fund manager to take on this new idea, Rubies in the Rubble. Rubies in the Rubble was a bit of a a whim of like, I'm so passionate about this, I want to spread the word, I want to do something that I know I'll be proud of, even if it's only selling on a couple of market stalls. Um, and let's just test the idea and see if people want to buy it. But then in the back of my head, the sort of bigger vision was, I want to make, create a brand that is not really tied to just using surplus fruit and veg, but it's talking about the larger issues of food supply chain. and having a sustainable food supply chain globally that our planet feeds the people. Laura experimented with recipes of a different sort and took her insect food idea to a pitch competition. And on the menu... We made mealworm tacos. And we were the last to go, so we put them in the refrigerator. And we went to get our tacos out of the fridge and we'd made like, I don't know, made like 50 tacos and there were like 10 left because people just thought they were beef tacos. So we were ecstatic because we thought this meant that people uh, would eat our insect products. And so we brought the mealworm tacos to the judges and told them exactly what had happened and they still refused to eat the tacos. They knew that other people had eaten them. They just couldn't get past that mental barrier with something that was, I think that it was wet. So we were disappointed. So that was kind of the, the final pivot to, okay, people aren't ready even for a ground meat. We have to pivot once more. And that's kind of how we got into cricket flour. Even with a different recipe, a cricket flour tortilla chip, this idea wasn't easy to sell. 
I remember the first time we talked to a serious investor. Like we were at this conference and he was someone who was really interested in social enterprise and change. And we thought that, you know, he'd be really interested in what we were doing. And we told him all about it. And at the end, we got quiet and we listened. And he said, this is the worst idea I have heard in my 15 years of investing. And we were, you know, we were a bit taken aback. And I think it was that point we realized that we had to prove this out in some way. We couldn't just sell the idea itself. Um, and that's kind of when uh, we did our Kickstarter campaign. How did you know, or did you know, before you launched the Kickstarter campaign, that you did have an idea that had legs, I guess, for a better word? <laughs> that's, that's good. Oh, we love yeah. the bug pen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things where your heart of hearts, you believe it. I mean, you have to, right? You have to be crazy enough to, to try to get your idea out there. But, you know, we weren't sure. It was kind of our way of testing the market uh, to see if people were actually going to eat bug chips. And at that point, we didn't even have a full product. If you look at our chips on our Kickstarter campaign, we, we jokingly call them death chips because they're like, <laughs> they're like dark and... Um, like darkish purple and they don't look appetizing at all because those are the ones we had like tried to make in our kitchen yeah um, and i think too often people don't want to start their idea and put it out there until it's perfect until they have it all planned out and just getting it out there and getting feedback right away and seeing if there was a market you know that was huge the kickstarter campaign raised over seventy thousand dollars proving that there was a market and people who were willing to eat bugs so at this point, both Laura and Jenny have a good start and a proof of concept. Now onto marketing to a broader audience. For social businesses, this can be especially difficult. Your cause is what drives you, and you want others to buy into that. But for consumers, your mission is often not enough. Let's start with Laura. She's asking people to eat bugs. And she's doing it in some pretty creative ways. Obviously, the biggest question is, how are you guys getting people to eat insects? Um, and there's a few things. I mean, you'll notice in our packaging and marketing, we, we make it fun. Um, we try to make it's like this question of how do you make eating insects cool? And so, you know, we can talk all day about the environmental statistics and the health benefits. But, you know, at the end of the day, if it's not something that's exciting and new and cool, people, you know, they aren't going to eat it. I think we're a food brand, but we're really a marketing company. Like when we first started, we had our blog was about eating insects. Every single post was statistics about eating insects. And that's interesting at first, but number one, you kind of run out of material to write about. <laughs> and number two, I think people get a little bit bored of hearing kind of the same thing over and over again. And so we had to think about, okay, what are larger themes that our company represents? A theme is more than a characteristic of your product or service. It's what relates to people. Like when you think about Red Bull, you don't think of the ingredients in the energy drink or that the company's been around for 30 years. You think of thrill seekers and crazy adventures. For Chirps, they're exploring themes that celebrate new ideas and having fun. This Halloween, we just kind of put up a normal picture of a pumpkin with chips for eyes and, you know, like like a jack-o'-lantern. Yeah. And it was it was cute and it was nice, 
but I kind of realized afterwards that it wasn't going to pass our shareability test. Like, no one really wants to share a picture of a pumpkin with chips as eyes and mouth. Um, so I have a plan for next year, which I think would be more in theme of what we're looking for, where we get a stuffed spider and put it on a remote control car and just go around uh, pranking friends with the spider car. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's totally, totally silly, but it's the kind of thing that people actually want to watch and it opens the conversation about insects and why we're scared of them, um, <laughs> but also is making it more fun and accessible. So, so yeah, that's the kind of things we're, work, we're working on at the company is how to access some of these bigger themes beyond just insects. It's like, what do we stand for? What, what else can we talk about? Laura's not just finding new things to talk about, but new ways to communicate. I think kind of as millennials, we tend to do a lot online, but we've been finding the power of taking marketing offline. And so we were reminded of this not too long ago when I was going to a trade show. And at this trade show, I usually am the mascot. So I dress up as a cricket. <laughs> yes. And, and the problem with fly, it was, it was across the country. So we had to fly. And I checked the body of the cricket in, like the cricket costume part. Yeah. Um, but I also have this big helmet that I wear that has antennas. And I didn't want to pay to check another bag in. And so I just wore the helmet on the airplane. <laughs> <laughs> and I walked on the airplane and everyone was staring and talking and asking me what I was doing. And even once I got to the trade show, people who had been on that same airplane or on the, in the airport were like, oh, I saw you. And it was an amazing conversation starter as well as people posting all over social media. And so um, something that I've actually taken to doing is wearing my cricket costume just around, um, around in public. And people can take pictures and post it. And that's just so much more effective than if I were to post a picture of me in the cricket costume on social media. As with Laura, Jenny's marketing approach also evolved. I think our marketing has changed a little bit on our angle. Um, I was so passionate about the cause that we were fighting. And although our products did taste great, my main messaging was always around food waste. Um, and food waste and, and selling a food product don't really go together because people are buying the, the food product thinking, I, I'm, I'm going to put my money into something that I think is going to taste great. Um, so there was there's a sort of disconnect. And I think now, We've, we've won great taste awards and um, really proven that our products do taste amazing. I always just assumed that people would expect them to taste great, but when you're telling a story about food waste, they just assume that that's your best angle. A lot of people were talking about what we did, but weren't buying the products. And as soon as people tried the products, they fell in love with them. So now, now we do a lot more lunches and offices, samplings in store. And it's been fantastic doing that and getting feedback from people on the website and through our social media. We've had poems about Chutneys and things, which is oh. really, really <laughs> lovely to hear. Oh, that's cool. What's your favorite flavor? My favorite is um, spicy tomato. It's a really unusual one. It's got cayenne pepper and, and cumin seeds and a lot of chili. Um, it's very fresh. It's 80% tomato and they're just simmered really slowly. It's it's really diverse rather than sort of overly sweet like a traditional chutney. Jenny's products wear bold labels in the fight against food waste. But a social mission cannot stand alone. A clothing brand has to look good. A service organization has to offer a best-in-class experience. A food brand 
has to taste amazing. And that's just the start. I think I was really shocked at the beginning at how hard it was to sell a product. I was almost naively just thinking, if I make the best product there is, everyone's going to want to buy this and, and that's it. You just make a really good product and of course it'll sell. And then realizing how competitive it is and, and how many other people are making great products that you never even hear about um, and going into a shop where their, sh their shelves are full and you're almost having to convince the shopkeeper to take somebody else off the shelf to put you on um, and somebody else that's probably been selling quite well and other people know about and you're this brand new brand that they're taking a risk with. And then that's the sort of start of the game. Then you've got to convince the consumer who's never seen you on the shelf to part with their money and take a risk on it. Then it gets to their home and then it can just get left in the fridge. And if they never use it, they'll never buy it again because they'll think it was a waste of money. I never ate it the first time. I think I'd, I'd never really thought through that whole chain that has to happen to make a repurchase of something. And I, I, yeah, that, that was probably my biggest shock. To further differentiate their products, Jenny has been creating experiences. I believe that that's when you make a big impact, when they've got a memory from something. So having an experience is a great way to do things or to taste something. So we do toasty bars where it's cheese and chutney toasties that go really well or serving a lunch or doing a collaboration where we can put our chutneys down the table. There are just as many places that we can get our products out. And so, yeah, we do, we do a lot of gifting and giving away and just getting people to try it. And, and hopefully you've then got a customer for life. And Jenny told me a great story about bringing an experience to buyers. Now, buyers of grocery stores are frequently solicited by business owners. They taste samples, hear pitches. The process is routine. It can be really tempting to do things the way they've always been done and just blend in. But Jenny took a different approach, to stand out. I remember our first meeting with um, the supermarket and we turned up with a cheese board and uh, crackers and lots of different cheeses and had our chutneys. So we laid out this picnic in the meeting room waiting for them to come in and they came in with their spit, spit sort of pots and spoons ready to just sort of taste and spit our, our chutneys. They've obviously tasted a lot of different products during the day. Um, and they sort of burst out laughing by our little picnic scene. And, um, and we had a really lovely conversation. And I think we were just honest and, um, and they love what we were trying to do. Once you have a great product or service, your mission can set you apart and help other brands too. Ruby's in the Rubble has been linking up with hotel chain sandwich shops and businesses that use large volumes of the preserves. At first, these businesses didn't share the story about food waste. The brand wasn't well known enough. It just didn't make sense. But Ruby's in the Rubble has grown into a respected brand. They make products that look good and taste great and have given companies like Virgin a story and mission worth sharing. Virgin Trains collect tons of their excess apples, which Rubies in the Rubble transforms into chutney. The chutney is then sold back on the trains. They tell a great story on their packaging and on their menus, and um, that's been an amazing way of just spreading our story and almost like linking on to brands that we believe do great things. I know I sound like a fangirl here, but I had to ask. 
So with the Virgin partnership, have you been in contact at all with Richard Branson? We got very excited last week because he tweeted about what we were doing, which oh, cool. um, wow. <laughs> was, was awesome. Um, but yeah, he's it's wonderful to think that he knows about what, what we're doing <laughs> yeah. in such a huge empire of his company. But um, yeah, we, I think they've been an amazing support and we're, we're now looking to try and do things in Virgin Atlantic. Um, yeah, they're a great brand. And as for Laura, she's found that people will eat bugs. Some of the biggest fans of chirps are kids. And let's be honest, they're probably eating bugs anyway. And also athletes who are looking for high-protein snacks. Chirps are sold in major grocery stores and theme parks across the U.S. And in January of 2017, Laura brought her cricket costume from the streets of San Francisco to a national audience. This was when she pitched to some of the fiercest investors. The sharks on Shark Tank. I can remember that moment super vividly, right? Like, we've been waiting around for hours because we didn't exactly know the order we were going to go. And then, and then suddenly it's this rush. Like, they're like, you're up, you're next. They bring you backstage. They like, they did like a final like hair and makeup fix up. And, you know, then I'm standing behind this banner and I mean, I was honestly terrified, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, you kind of peek out the side and you see all of the sharks just kind of coming in, sitting down. And we'd been binge watching Shark Tank for weeks. And so it's weird because you kind of feel like you know these people, but not really. And you also have these thoughts running through your head of like, oh, these are really important people. And then, you know, you hear your cue. <laughs> and I just kind of, you know, you're like, well, I have to do this. You just kind of barrel through. It's funny that she says it this way because she literally barreled through a huge poster as a giant cricket. The sharks thought the chirps tasted great, and Mark Cuban, looking to add to his high-protein food portfolio, became the first chirps investor. So in and of itself, is it weird that you're emailing with Mark Cuban? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird to be emailing with Mark Cuban, definitely. I mean, especially because... I don't know. I mean, he's in the news a lot, especially with all the politics and, you know, he's tweeting with Donald Trump and then yeah. and then emailing with us. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's a little surreal. It's kind of crazy because at the start of this business, very few people wanted to do anything with selling insects. Now, world-class business leaders are fully embracing the benefits of bugs and sharing ideas about how to spread the message. We actually got some feedback from the sharks that our packaging wasn't buggy enough. Right? Like we, we stand for eating bugs. We like go out there and tell people how exciting it is. But our packaging, if you just look at it from a distance, it, it wasn't necessarily didn't say eat bugs all over it. And so we just decided to get a little bit bolder. And so we've been working on doing putting signs in stores that say eat bugs, like shelf talkers, which go like underneath the product uh, that talk about eating bugs, maybe even changing up our packaging a bit, um, because if people notice you, uh, they can have an opinion, they can like you, or they can not like you. But if you just blend in, in life or in business, then you don't even get to play the game. Your mission is why you're doing what you do, but it can't stand alone. Consider what else you can offer. Think big, be great, Share experiences. Be bold. 
Move your mission forward by being more. And I can't talk about food waste without mentioning ways to help. First, challenge yourself to buy only what you need and really enjoy what you've got. Second, ask your grocer to donate, not dump. And third, tell them that you want to buy those ugly fruits and veggies. Thanks for listening to the show. If you want to learn more about Laura or Jenny, go to changemakerpodcast.com. Music is by Jazar. And I want to say a special thanks to Josh Harlan for the intro jingle. Thanks, Josh. If you like this episode, please join me in spreading some more positive change and tell a friend about it. I'm Jackie Biederman, and you've been listening to Changemaker. Changemaker.